I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Last week we started a series on truth, and actually we're going to continue that starting back next week. Today I want to speak on something special, and that's our mothers today. I believe the Lord gave me this word for our mothers. And so we'll start our really get going in, in full steam on our series on truth next Sunday morning for however many weeks that will be. But look with me, if you would, at 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let's read verses 3 through 5. This is the last epistle that Paul wrote before he was martyred for the Lord in Rome. He says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Now he's writing to Timothy, his, his young disciple, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and am persuaded that in thee also. And so Paul is talking about the faith of Timothy. And he says, this faith was first in your grandmother, then it was in your mother, and it's in you. I'm persuaded. It means I'm convinced that it's in you as well. It's the same faith. It's what, what it says in Jude, the faith that was once delivered to the saints. The faith, the faith that we're earnestly con to contend for. The faith by which we're saved. With true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he acknowledges and gives honor to Timothy's uh, lineage in, in Christ. And his lineage in Christ in this case was his grandmother who knew the Lord. His mother that knew the Lord. And he... Timothy that came to know the Lord. A lot of times we might think, well, Paul, you're the one that's responsible for Timothy's faith, and it's actually not. Paul took him under his wing when he found him in, in uh, Derby and Lystra. It says that he was already a disciple of the Lord. He was born again. He was a follower of the Lord who had a good report among the people there. And so Paul took him under his wing, and he became a servant of the Lord with Paul, to be discipled and grow, and later became the church of a pastor at the church of Ephesus, which was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, churches in the early uh, century uh, at this time where Paul was living. But I want to honor our mothers today in the sense of um, a word to encourage and build them up. A word from God to encourage and build them up. Now, you don't have to turn here, but it says in Romans 13, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now, I believe primarily in that passage in Romans that Paul is talking about like uh, natural authorities and governors and magistrates and people that are in authority. But I don't think it's a stretch to say honor to whom honor would be that we want to honor our mothers in this sense. The word honor means dignity. It means esteem to the highest degree. And we want to honor our mothers in, our, in the sense of building them up in the Lord, not puffing them up. And there's a difference, okay? This would go in all walks of Christianity. We want people to be built up in Christ, not puffed up. Built up is like sometimes you have to tear down. Sometimes you have to reprove, rebuke, instruct. 
Sometimes you have to be disciplined. Sometimes you have to be chastened in order to be built up. To build up in the Lord is what we're called to do to one another, to edify one another in love, the Bible says. It is not the same as puffing up. And we've seen it, we've seen it in the church, and it's ugly. It's ugly when people, it's just a, a, a mutual admiration society in the pulpit or something like that, where everybody's just heaping praise that may be even unwarranted on other people. That's not doing anybody any good in the Lord. We're talking about edifying in the Lord. And the Bible said the first commandment with promise. Y'all know what the first commandment with promise is? Honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you. Honor your father and mother, that you may live long in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. It's, it's in the, the, the Ten Commandments that are given and restated at least twice that I know of in the New Testament. Honor your mother and father, that it may go well with you. So we want to honor our mothers and fathers, and today specifically our mothers in the Lord. And that our mothers would be built up and encouraged, as I said, and not puffed up. Puffed up which is, does, is just vanity. It serves no real purpose. But the Bible says that when Adam called his wife's name Eve, for she was the mother of all living. So the first man, the first woman, the first husband, the first wife, the first father, the first mother, he called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. It literally means life spring or the spring of life. Okay? And he called her that an almighty God has seen fit for the family to be like he says in his word. He, he's, he's seen fit for a husband and a wife, one man, one woman, to marry each other, forsaking all others. And it is a picture, like Federico mentioned in Sunday school, of Christ in the church. It's a picture of that. And we don't have Jesus plus some other gods tagging alongside. I'll put Jesus as my primary God and have some other ones as well. We have Christ and Christ only, forsaken all others, even our own selves. We deny ourselves. We take up our cross and follow him. And till death do us part, and even beyond death, in Christ we don't ever depart from the Lord. But you understand the point here, and in in, in this sermon is not really about this, but I do want to mention this. That is that something you know all too well, the, the family is under serious attack in our day. The family. People call it a traditional family. People call it an old-schooled family. Uh, they can call it whatever, you know, whatever they choose to, but really none of those things fit. What fits is it's a biblical. It's God's purpose and intent. You can stick all the labels on it you want, one man and one woman, one father, one husband, I mean one wife, and then the children that God brings through that relationship, that is the way God ordained for it to be. The family is under attack, but God saw fit in his wisdom. For this cause shall a man leave his mother and father and cling unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And then there's offspring from that as God blesses, and as the Lord does that and leads God has seen fit for mothers and fathers to raise children unto him. And this is really what our thought is this morning. It's a very simple thought. But he has seen fit for mothers and fathers, born again, each one knowing Christ in their own right. Dee and I have said it so many times, and I think she might have come up with the idea or gotten it from someone. When Dee and I have done a lot of premarital counseling 
people that are about to get married, and we'll meet with them and talk to them about their lives and, and just uh, counseling them the things of God before they get married. And one of the things is so simple, but it's so true, and we'll look to the, the, the young bride-to-be and the young husband-to-be and say, if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus always, not on your spouse, and you'll keep your eyes on Jesus always, you're going to meet in the Lord. You're going to meet in Christ, and that's where you need to be. That's where you want to be. That's what God has, how he has seen fit for mothers and fathers, uh, husbands and wives to raise their children, but to raise them unto the Lord, to raise them unto the Lord. We are your children that you have, mothers that are here today and fathers. This will be for both, but specifically for mothers. The children that you have, God created them. He used you, but he and has blessed you with those children, but God created them. He creates life, and he creates us human beings in his own image. That is the way he's chosen. He told Jeremiah, don't say you're just a child. When you were young and before your bones were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. He creates life. Amen. And so he blesses parents with children. And he blesses us to, for a purpose. There's a very specific purpose in it all. And the world would say it's just chance and we're just products of evolution and there's no real meaning to it. There's no real purpose to it. God gives meaning to it all. Amen. Open up the Bible and read it. He gives purpose to it all. And I'm thankful that he does. He wants those husbands and wives and mothers and fathers to bring up children in the Lord, to know Christ, to love God. And the mothers, you have a very specific call upon your life. It's very specific and very unique to you. And it is to love your children with the love of the Lord, to raise your children to know and love the Lord and to serve Him, to serve Christ. Amen. From birth, from an infant, from the very moment that they can begin to experience life, your children, the very moment they can begin to remember things, that mother is there, that mother's voice is there, and that mother's spirit and so forth in the Lord. And it's a very privileged thing. It's a very privileged calling and position that God has given to mothers. You know, it's interesting. We know that God is our father, but there's places in the scriptures in the Old Testament, especially in God's dealings with Israel, he talks about like bearing them like a, a, a mother would bear a child. In other words, bearing their, carrying them, nursing them like a child, nursing them in the wilderness, taking care of them when they were weak and so forth and loving them. And so it's, it's a godly thing. And this fallen world, y'all, has really sought to minimize that role. They don't know the Lord, first of all. And there's a God of this world that, that is against and anti the God of Scripture. But this fallen world has sought to minimize and marginalize and diminish uh, the dignity and the importance of that call of a mother in life, just in life, in society. You know what I'm talking about, that uh, the, especially the mother that would devote her life to her children, that devote herself to bringing up children in the Lord, 
devote herself to uh, making their concerns more important than her own concerns. And that the world laughs at that. The world disdains that. And it's because, Jesus said of the Pharisees, These, this they will do because they know not God. They don't know the Father. They don't know the Lord. Uh, not specifically talking about what we're talking about, but this is why the world acts the way the world does towards the things of God. And so the world would say to a mother who has devoted her time and energy and effort to her children that you're wasting your time. This is the 21st century. You need to show what you can do, you know, women's uh, power and so forth. We need to show what women can do out in the, the secular world type of thing. Now, this message is not anti-women working jobs. It is anti that thought that minimalizes or minimizes, I'm sorry, or discounts or the, the role of a woman raising her children. So don't, don't leave here and say that the, the message today was about women shouldn't work in the workplace. I'm simply saying there's a thought that thinks if a woman t t dedicates her life to raising her children that somehow she's not lived up to womanhood. And I would say she's fully lived up to womanhood if she's in Christ and doing it as unto the Lord. Amen. So that's all that we're saying, that people that do make great sacrifices, women that make great sacrifices to bring up their children in Christ and in the Lord and to dedicate to them their time, their love, their energy and effort. And the world frowns upon that and says it's such a waste. Can I tell you that all the other stuff that the world uh, glories in, it, that's going to pass away. You know, the woman going to be the CEO of this company, nothing wrong with that if that's what God's led you to do. But all the stuff that they boast in and all the stuff that they strive for, that's all going to pass away. The world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. And so it's a, que a question of serving God and being biblical Again, don't leave here thinking I'm saying a woman shouldn't work. I'm saying there's a higher work that you have. And maybe you're doing both. Praise God. Okay? Praise the Lord if you are. But don't forget the number one. Don't forget the primary. And that is to, to pour Christ into her children. So I'm going to say, Mother, you are to pour Christ into your children. You are to pour Christ into your children. You are to love your children with the love of God. And so that means that you, first and foremost, have to be strong in the Lord. You need to be, mothers, you need to be Christian. You need to be Christ-like. You need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to be walking in obedience to the Lord in humility and in devotion to Christ and knowledgeable in His Word and a woman of prayer and a person of prayer that knows Christ and walks with Christ. And so you're not going to be able to pour anything into those children other than what you have. Such as I have, give I unto thee, right? That's what Peter and John said at the temple when they were raising the lame man. We don't have any silver and gold, but such as I have, give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the lame man leapt up and was healed and began to praise God. Women, and this will go for anybody, but today we're, we're focusing on our mothers in the Lord. Uh, Christian mothers, okay? 
You yourself have to be that. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but you need to be perfectly committed to Christ. You need to be strong in the Lord. You need to put the Lord Jesus first in your life, and God will enable, enable you to raise children unto him. God will enable you to do it. You need to care for your children with the tenderness and patience of Christ. Not always easy, is it? <laughs> you need to care for your children with the tenderness and patience of the Lord. You need to minister to them. Even though you're older, well, Jesus was a minister, and he was the Lord of all, and he came not to be served, but to serve. And he, he uses that for an example for us. We need to minister to our children. Mothers, you need to minister to your children as servants of the Lord. You don't worship your children. You worship God. And God enables you to raise children unto him. You worship God, and he gives you the proper love for your husband, for your children, and so forth. But we are to, we're to serve, mothers, you're to serve your children and minister to them with the selflessness and self-sacrificing nature of Christ. Selflessness. That's, that's all through Christianity, right? Men, we need to hear the same. We Christians, we need to hear the same. Selflessness. That's not easy to do. It takes the cross. It takes the cross of the, in the life of the believer to bring death to that, right? We're to mortify the deeds of the body by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we minister to our children with the selflessness and self-sacrificing nature of Christ. That genuinely in our heart of hearts, whether we feel like it or not, we put them first. We put them ahead of ourselves. And I'm very thankful for the mothers that we do have in this church. I know you all so well, and I know your walk with Christ, and I know how the Lord uses you in the lives of your children. Now, when I say that we're to pour into our children and to minister to them, it does not mean that we are to spoil them. It does not mean, mothers, that you are fathers, that you are to, uh, to spoil them, to give them every little whim and every little thing they want, every little moment that they want it, even if it's not healthy, not good for them. Uh, or something like that. It doesn't mean that you're to raise children that are undisciplined. It doesn't mean that you are to compromise Christ and the things of God in order to, to give to your children. It's not at all what it means. We're talking about raising children un, unto the Lord. So we go to God's Word, and we're led by the Spirit of God and how we mother our children and father our children and raise them. You are stewards of their lives. You are stewards of their lives. A steward is a caretaker for a period of time. You're stewards of their lives. I want to read this from Proverbs, talking about not spoiling our children, but loving them and disciplining them in the things of God. And as they get older, they're able to handle more instruction and discipline and so forth. And they understand what you're doing with them and to them and for them. But Proverbs 29, 15 says, The rod and reproof, that speaks of discipline, not child abuse, okay? The rod and reproof, that's correction, okay? Gives wisdom. The rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother's shame. And so you want to pour into your children and discipline them. It's not spoiling them. We all know the scripture 
in Proverbs 22 where it says, uh, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart. And I've studied that before to kind of see what it means and what it doesn't mean. I'll tell you what it, it does mean. It does mean when it says train up a child in the way that he should go. That means to literally hedge them in. That's what the word means, to hedge them in. In other words, you're building a, a fortress like the church walls protect us from what's outside. Like good doctrine is a wall that protects us from uh, wolves in sheep's clothing and false things and teachings coming in. It's talking about building up a wall around your children to where they're hedged in in the way that they should go. They'll still have to make an individual choice for Christ, but they're going to be much more inclined to, having been brought up in the things of God from in the mother's womb, okay, to the first recollection they can have of life and of you is going to be you pouring Christ into them. And they're hedged in, they're boxed in, in a sense, so that when they're older and they have to make choices on their own, they're boxed in. They say, no, I already know this is right and that's wrong. This is right and that's wrong. Somebody's calling me over here to do this. No, this is right and that's wrong. They've been taught the scriptures. They've been taught the word of God. They've been taught uh, how, to, how to handle chastening from the Lord and from their parents and so forth. And they're disciplined. They're boxed in. That's what it means to train up a child in the way that he should go. Amen. And so God is their creator. God is your ch child or your children's creator. He made them, made them in his image. He is also going to be their savior. If they're going to be saved. There's no one but Jesus. Amen. So he creates them. He saves them by his grace. But he's given to you, mothers and fathers and mothers in particular today, he's given to you the those children for the purpose of bringing them to the saving knowledge of Christ. If you did one thing in life as a mother, that's what he's given those children to you for. Bringing them to the saving knowledge of Christ, that they may grow up as trees, not unto you, but as trees unto the Lord for his glory, to fulfill his will and purpose for their lives. God created them. When they're saved, it's going to be Jesus that saves them. He's already died for them 2,000 years ago and rose again. He, and he has a purpose for their lives. Just like Jeremiah, before you were born, when your bones were being formed in the mother's womb, I, I ordained you, created you and ordained you and sanctified you, a prophet to the nations. So if you boil it all down, God's holy plan and purpose for parents is that we, we bring up children unto the Lord, that we bring children, our children, to know the Lord. That is an unequaled privilege and responsibility. It is both. It is a privilege like no other, and it is a responsibility like no other. Children are from the Lord, and children to be, are to, your children to be dedicated back to the Lord. Dedicated back to the Lord. Amen? And so that has to be our... You, you are going to be parents... So I'm speaking to both of you. You're going to be the, the primary, foremost witness for Christ in your children's life. Your children's lives. You are. You are going to be the number one witness for Christ in their lives. And so 
they need to see the Lord in you all the time. I'm not saying that other people can't be used in your children's lives spiritually. Okay, pastors and youth pastors and Sunday school teachers and other strong believers and aunts and uncles and people like that. Absolutely, God can and does use that. But nobody's been given that place or position like you have. To be with them 24-7 and to be, and he says, I've entrusted them to your care. Nobody has been given that position like a parent or like a mother. It is a God-given place of honor. It is a God-given place of ministry unto the Lord. And I'll, I'll simply say this, and it's like no other. It's not, you know, a pastor is a pastor, and the word pastor means a shepherd. And a, a pastor is to look over, it says in Hebrews, they care for your souls. And, and as a pastor, I'm to do that. And to pray for you and to, to look out for your well-being and so forth. Absolutely, that's a unique position. But uh, being a mother is something different with your child, with your own child, and with your own children. And if that is a God-given position and a privilege and responsibility and honor, I would simply ask the mothers today, and I said we have so many, wonderful, but what will you do with that? What will you do with that opportunity? Because it's an opportunity. I would say, and God's word would say, don't waste it. Don't waste it. Even if a lot of your children are a little bit older and you feel like I have wasted so much time, it's almost hopeless now. It's not hopeless now. If it was hopeless, God would say it's over. Forget about it. He's not telling you this morning it's hopeless. It's over. Forget about it. Even if you've wasted some time in the past, you can, in Jesus' name, dedicate as much as I can pour Christ into the remaining time that I have with my children, I'm going to do so, Lord. Help me. Touch their hearts. Soften their hearts. Use me to speak into their lives. Don't give up on that. But I would say this. Don't waste a day of it. Mothers, don't waste a day of the time that you have to pour the Lord and to show the love of Christ to their lives. And the goodness of God and the wisdom of knowing God and serving God and the great need to be born of his spirit. Don't waste a moment of that. Don't waste one day. And I'll say this, too, that I think a lot of days I know I mean, we had children of our own that are that are grown. A lot of days it's like all you can do is get through the day because of of school and extra, you know, okay, you're, you're planning out the day, you know, it's like, okay, and at 2.30, you got to be here, and at 4, you got this ball practice, and we got church at 7, and I'll have a snack for you in the car, and, you know, you got to meet with that teacher, you got that big project due at the end of the week, sometime we got to figure out how, I understand that that is life, and it's not strange or bizarre, that's life, okay, and you have days like that, and, and you have, it goes by so fast, it's like a whirlwind. And then you look up and, and, and you finished all that and you're, you're you know, the, somebody's handing them their diploma and they're walking off the stage. And you're like, what just happened for the last 15 years, you know, or, or whatever, 18 years. But don't those days that are like that or even the days that I would say that seem just real normal, they're just normal. They're nothing really out of the ordinary today or this week. It's just another week. What's going on? Well, just living life, you know, getting the kids off to school and the ball practice. And you, all those are, they might seem normal and ordinary, but all of that God is using. Because you can bring Christ into all of that. 
You can bring Christ into the hustle and bustle of life and sports and getting to school on time, taking leap tests and, and everything else that they've got to do. You bring Christ in it. It's extremely, extremely important, mothers, how you spend those days. That's most days. It's extremely important how you represent Christ in those days. Because that's the bulk of your days. That's the majority of your days. And guess what? That's what God has chosen for it to be. Okay? That's what he's chosen for it to be. Those are days which God has given you with your children. And there are days that you have the opportunity to demonstrate Christ to them. Now, my teacher piled on all this homework, and it's not fair. And, all, and, and your you know, parents, you end up doing half that homework. You know, I know what that's like as well. And, but still, to bring Christ into all of it. Well, honey, I mean, the teacher's just doing what she thinks best. God's trying to teach us something. He doesn't put it on us more than we can bear. He's going to help us through it. You know what else you teach him in the midst of that? Whatever sacrifice, it's not going to be Christ. Did you take your time with the Lord today? Did you read your Bible today? You, you have the opportunity to bring that uh, 24-7 every day. And so I will say this. The opportunity to influence your children for the Lord can be fleeting. It can be fleeting in the sense that it, it does pass by. I'm not saying that when your children are grown and out of the house that you have no influence on them. You do. And if they're in Christ and you're in Christ, then that stays wonderful and it's just the relationship it's supposed to be. And parents will always have an influence on their children. But it changes as they get older. Let's put it that way. As your children grow and get older and older, they become more independent, which is as it should be. Prayerfully, they're becoming more dependent on Christ. It's almost like handing them over to the Lord. Well, hand them over the day God gives them to you. When they're born, give them to Christ, okay? Bring them up in Christ, and when they're ready to be gone and out of the house, they're in Christ, and you know they're going to be okay. They're going to be all right because they're walking with the Lord. So it's fleeting in the sense that it's passing, but if they come to know Christ, then you're always going to have that proper place in their lives, and your relationship with your children will always be what it's supposed to be. But I'll say this, mothers, you're not always going to have those little babies, okay, running around your feet. You're not always going to have that. Running around your feet, jumping up in your lap. It's a special time. It's a wonderful time. It's a precious time. And use it while you can for God's glory. Use it while you can to, to bring them to the Lord. It's a very unique time, a joyful time that God has given us. Amen. Parents as a whole and mothers to pour the Lord into them. And so I will say this, the, the world has the attitude that I want my, my children to have the best of everything. I want them to have the best education. I want them to have the best uh, economic advantage one day. I want them to have the best birthday parties, the best, best presents, the best vacations, the best uh, training for sports or music or whatever it may be. And all these are good, but they are not the best. 
I'm not saying they're wicked and evil in and of themselves, but if you put those things ahead of your children coming to have a serious, personal, individual, not just saved and going to heaven, but a strong walk with Christ, and you put those things ahead, then you've missed the boat and they do become evil. They do become evil because you've let them become evil because you put so much importance of that and you've allowed those things to crowd Christ out and to push him to the back burner somewhere. We, we got a 28, 28 on the ACT and we got the scholarship to the college we wanted and my kid got a scholarship to play ball at this place, but he's not really walking with the Lord. Well, we've missed it, haven't we? We've missed it. Put Christ first in everything. And if some of those other things don't get done, they get the second best school instead of the best school. They make a 28 on the ACC instead of a 30. You know what I mean? It, I'm not saying that, that those things aren't important. I'm saying they're not the most important. And if the most important is not put as the most important, the other things aren't going to matter. Because all this is going to pass away. All this is going to pass away. I know I've shared this, this story before, a true story, and I wasn't planning on sharing it this morning, but I, I love these examples I get from books I'm reading. I was reading a book by R.E. Torrey, and he was preaching, and he, he, he saw one of the, somebody they had known in the past in church, in Christ, a man, he's much older now. I hadn't seen him in a long time, and the man looked very downcast and down during all of his message, and the man came up to him afterwards, and uh, Tori said, brother, what's wrong? What, what's wrong? And the man said, I brought my children to the world. This always gets me. I brought my children to the world, and I can't get them back. I don't want to do that. I don't want you to do that. I want them to be the best at this and this and this and this, and it's fine. All those things in their place. My boys played sports. The best in the world, or the worst in the world, they played sports, they did, but, they, but it wasn't first. It wasn't first in our eyes. It wasn't first in our life. It wasn't first in our purpose and goals in life. Christ is and was. This man said, I brought him to the dance. I brought him to schools. I brought him to, to learn this and that and the other and brought him to everything. Because I wanted them to have the best of everything, and now I can't get them back. They were grown. It's just like Lot trying to convince his son-in-laws, the Lord's coming back to judge this place. We need to get out. And they laughed at him. Why did they laugh at Lot? I always say this. They wouldn't have laughed at Abraham. They, wouldn't, <clears throat> they would not have laughed at Abraham because he had a testimony for the Lord that God was first. God was first. And people, whether they loved God or hated God or loved Abraham or hated Abraham, they knew Abraham believed in God and God was first in his life. They would have listened to Abraham. They didn't listen a lot. They laughed him, laughed at him and ridiculed him to scorn. I don't want you, and I don't think those things, this is, this is not a, a, a condemnation. It's a warning from the Lord. Those things are good, but they're not best. They're good, and they're, but they're not best. Christ has to be first in everything. And I'll, I'll, I'm going to bring this to a close, but 
Y'all, you have to saturate their lives with Jesus. And it can't be fake. It has to be the real deal. When you're disappointed, when you didn't get a raise you thought you were going to get, when you got sick, when friends gossiped about you, uh, whatever it may be, they, it needs to be the real deal in you. And they need to see that in you. They're going to see the Lord. Saturate your children's lives with Christ, with the Word of God, with prayer. Pray with them. Pray for them. Live a sincere, unhypocritical Christian life before them. Sincere faith. Faith unfeigned is what the, the Scriptures call it in, in uh, Lois and in Eunice, Timothy's grandmother and mother. And it needs to be consistent. And if you mess up in front of your children and you sin in front of your children with your mouth, your words, your actions, your rolling your eyes or whatever, gossiping about somebody, talking about somebody bad, and your parents, your children hear that, you need to repent. And you need to go to your children and say, Mom was wrong about talking about so-and-so like that. Mom was wrong about uh, whatever. Uh, go to your children and repent and ask first ask God's forgiveness and then go to them. Now I'll say this, your children at some point they'll have to make their own choice for Christ. In one sense you're not 100% responsibility responsible for their salvation. They will have to make their own decision for Christ. Pray that they will. You're going to pray for your children like nobody else. We, we always I don't know why this was our prayer, but we prayed our, our children would know Christ before they were what? Five years old. Both of our boys came to know Jesus before they were five years old and baptized in the Holy Ghost shortly after that. So that was what God put in our hearts to pray. Pray for your children. Pray that when they, they do have to make a decision for Christ, that they'll make the right decision for Christ at that time when they're when they're able to. I want to look at just two more scriptures, or one more scripture before we, we close. If you're in 2 Timothy, look at chapter 3. Now Paul's charging Timothy before he dies, verse 14, before Paul dies. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child. So it was not Timothy's walk with the Lord was not all to be credited to the Apostle Paul. From a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. We need to bring up our children in the Lord. We need to bring up our children in the Word of God and memorizing Scriptures and learning Scriptures and teaching them this is what God says in His Word Timothy had been shown and taught these things. At some point, he still had to, he knew the scriptures from a child. But at some point in his childhood, growing up, he had to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He had to believe himself on the Lord Jesus and be born again. A child could be brought up in the most godly, wonderful Christian home where the mother and father are perfect, and they might reject later. But I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be very hard for them to do that. It's going to be very hard because they're going to know clear well. It won't be out of ignorance, amen? They'll have to make a clear choice because they've been hedged in all their life to tear down this wall and jump over it. That's their prerogative, so to speak, and God, they, God's given them a free will to choose. But you do everything you can 
you know, so many, so many times I'll hear parents say, well, I, I don't have my children in church, or I don't have my children doing this, or, 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 or praying. I don't check on them, see if they read the Bible, because I want them to make their own choice. They're a child. Teach them. They're a child. They don't know anything. They're just like a sponge ready to soak up everything around them. They're going to soak it up from their teacher, their friends, somebody else, their college professor one day. They need to be soaking up Christ from you. God Almighty gave those children to you. He didn't give your children to me. He didn't give them to Lois and Eunice. He gave Timothy to Lois and, and Eunice. He gave your children to you. Take advantage of every moment. Forget what the world says. Oh, I just want them to make their own. Well, they will have to make their own choice at some point. But until then, as if for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, Joshua said. We're going to go. We're going to be there. We're going to walk in the things of God in obedience to the Lord. I'll I want to close with this, y'all. Indeed, you can come. But I think I shared this last year, but it was so good I wanted to remind myself and share it again. Okay. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, pastor of, of the Metropolitan Church in London, we, we all know about Charles Spurgeon, late 1800s. Um, his father was often, I didn't really realize all this, his father was often away preaching. His father was a traveling minister and evangelist. And every Sunday night when his father would be gone, Charles can remember his mother would bring him and the other children and explain the scriptures to them. The dad's out preaching. He's traveling somewhere. The mom would gather the children together with her in the home and explain the scriptures to them and plead with them to think about the state of their souls. As children, this is what she would do, and to seek the Lord. He remembered her once praying, and this is a quote, maybe it's more than once, this is Spurgeon's mother's prayer with him in her presence. Now, Lord, if my children go on in their sins, it will not be from ignorance that they perish. My soul must bear a swift witness against them at the day of judgment if they lay not hold on Christ. With her children listening, she's saying, if, if, if Charles, young Charles here, Lord, doesn't give his life to Christ, it's not going to be from ignorance because he's been taught. And in that day of judgment, if he chooses not to lay hold on Christ, my soul is going to bear witness against him. Oh, it's so unloving. No, it's very loving. Very loving. You know what she realized? Heaven is real. Hell is real. And there was nothing more important. It wasn't just, we'll do a little Christian thing. She understood the importance of coming to Christ. It's not just stories about Noah and the ark and the little, how many giraffes were on there and that kind of thing. It's, it's pouring Christ into them. You know, it's, it's tell about why did, why did God bring a flood in Noah's day in the first place? If you're going to tell them, talk to them about the things of God. And Spurgeon, when he grew up later, came to a certain age, maybe as a teenager, he goes, that thought of my mother bearing swift witness against me pierced my conscience and stirred my heart. So it had an influence upon him. It probably wasn't a warm, touchy-feely moment, but it pierced his heart. He came to know Christ. He came to serve the Lord, live for God and die for the Lord. 
And so uh, his, his father tells, and I'm closing with this one, Spurgeon's father had gone out one night to preach. And he got down the road somewhere, and he had forgotten something at house. I don't know at the house, a coat or a Bible or something. He had to turn back. And he kind of wanted to creep in the house. He didn't know if they were sleeping or what. And the house was totally silent, except he heard one, one voice, and that was the, the voice of his wife pleading for the salvation of their children. That's all he could remember hearing. The dad says, I know everything's going to be okay. Mama's here praying. He didn't disturb him. He turned, got what he needed and left and went back out. Y'all, it's such a, mothers, it's such a unique privilege to raise children and to raise them unto the Lord. Don't waste any of it. Pour Christ into them. Be strong in the Lord yourself. And ask God for help. He gives wisdom. He gives more grace. If we've messed up and sinned and not done something appropriately, He forgives us. Ask Him to let your children see you worshiping God and loving God. Amen. They need to see that. Y'all stand with me. I want to ask that our mothers would come to the altar and just take some time to pray. And if you're the, the father and the husband, if you would come pray over your spouse at the altar or your, if your grandchildren here as well, you can come with your, your grandmothers. Once these are praying, uh, husbands praying over their wives who are mothers, if children as well would come around, just just take, we don't do this all the time, just come take some time around your family and just pray. Thank the Lord for your mother. Thank the Lord for your children. Thank the Lord for your grandparents. Thank Jesus for dying on the cross for our sins and the privilege of knowing him. Father, we come before you. Children, you come up around your, your family as well. And Father, we, we thank you, Lord God, that this is the way you've seen fit. No matter how the world ridicules and mocks the traditional family, the nuclear family, whatever they want to call it, what it really is is the biblical family. It's what you've called us to be. And Father, those that we're, are so blessed as to be, have been given children, God, it's a privilege. We've made us stewards and caretakers of their lives, God. Let's not lose track of the most important thing. And the most important thing is not their education. It's important. The most important thing is not how well they do in hitting a baseball. The most important thing, God, is that they do they know Jesus? Are they walking with Christ? Are they true disciples of the living God? Oh, Father, help us. Help our mothers. I pray you bless them. Bless the mothers that are here. Bless the grandmothers that are here. Bless the children of these parents, God. Oh, God, would you give these mothers wisdom? Would you give them patience? Would you give them strength day to day? Would you help us, like Moses said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom, to not waste that time that you've given to them to pour Christ into their children, God. I pray for families and homes across this nation that you'd have mercy. Satan is attacking very successfully our homes and our marriages and our families and parents and children and their relationship. 
God, I pray that you would come in like a flood, that you'd bring revival. I pray you'd strengthen our homes, strengthen our Christian homes, Lord God, that they wouldn't be like the world. They would be like Christ. They would be like you've called them to be in your word. Have mercy upon us, oh God. We need you. But Lord, there's such hope with you. There's such a confidence we can have in you, God. We're not at all hopeless. We're not at all despairing as those that have no hope. God, I pray you'd strengthen our families and homes, and even the, these in this church in Cornerstone. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Y'all just continue to pray for a few moments here.